0: This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. According to a recent study by Boston University and the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, of the 91 former NFL players who donated their brains for research after death, 87 tested positive for CTE, better known as Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy. And in April of 2015, the settlement of a class action lawsuit was reached with the NFL and retired NFL players. The almost $1 billion settlement provides up to $5 million per retired player for serious medical conditions associated with repeated head trauma. And today on Ringo Radio, we're going to discuss the NFL concussion lawsuit settlement and we'll look at the impact of repetitive brain trauma on players and their families. And joining us today is our special guest, attorney Dan Chamberlain of the firm Cohen & Mallet from Indianapolis, Indiana. Dan focuses his practice on serving personal injury clients, specifically advocating on behalf of traumatic brain injury victims and their families. And with that, Dan, I want to say welcome to Ringo Radio. Great to have you with us.
2: Thank you, Larry. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, Dan, let's begin... Uh, this discussion by talking about the long-term effects of brain injuries generally and repetitive brain trauma specifically. Tell us about the impacts of all that.
2: Well, the impact is profound. Um, I just prepared an article for Trial Magazine, and basically the most recent data suggests that there are more than 3.8 million concussions uh, related specifically to sports activities uh, in the United States, each and every year, now, if you step back with that um, it 's close in numbers uh, to the numbers of folks that actually have current and ongoing uh brain injury issues at an economic impact of almost eighty billion dollars per year now it's it's catching a lot of uh interest not just because of concussion the movie or the NFL lawsuit, but I think families and kids and everybody seems to understand that lifelong uh, injury uh, occurs because of brain trauma. And it's even worse with repetitive brain trauma because a lot of these folks can never recover.
1: Well, in regards to the NFL concussion lawsuit, Exactly. What were the allegations against the NFL in the in the litigation?
2: Well, there's there's a lot of allegations against the NFL, and and if you look at the lawsuit, there's about seven thousand pleadings so far in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, and I have to say, the NFL has not um, provided any evidence to mitigate or to object to the allegations, which included the fact that the NFL knew or should have known. Uh, about repetitive brain trauma causing CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Uh, but even more important than that, the repetitive injuries. The uh, you, you know I think most people understand that if you participate in football, you can die, you can have a brain injury, uh, you can break a leg, you you can become paralyzed. What the one thing is that the NFL and the NCAA both failed to do. Was to let players know that concussions are repetitive, concussions cause uh, ongoing uh, issues with respect to brain and cognition issues and and they never they never ever told anybody this and so basically what the NFL has done in, in, in that lawsuit was to settle the case it's the largest settlement of its kind ever in the entire United States. And it's an ongoing settlement that will last for 65 years so we can talk a little bit more in detail about the various levels and things but but that that the NFL failed to take reasonable action to protect players from chronic risk of brain injury and they actively the allegation is that the NFL actively concealed the risk of brain injury and so 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 now that the NFL wants to settle the case and that the case has been approved for settlement in the eastern district now we're left with how do we how do we deal with it number 1 and number 2 now it's up on uh, appeal to the Third Circuit for several different issues, not the least of which um, are those folks that want to collect for CTE benefits, which are only which are only able to be awarded um, post uh, post uh, mortem.
1: Well, in that regard, who who exactly are the individuals covered in the NFL settlement, and who who are not? How, how what's what's all that about?
2: Yeah, so that it's it's a really good question. So some of my clients are Super Bowl winners, okay, and so they're still some some are still alive and some have passed. Um if you've looked at uh at the incidents of uh NFL players that have, have taken their own lives, you look at uh Dave Durasing, you look at Junior Seau, you you know, you look at these people. So anybody who had retired from the NFL prior to the settlement date of April 22nd of 2015 would be able to recover if they had a certain number of eligible seasons. And Larry, I have to tell you, um, I've learned a lot about the NFL, which, which, uh, is, is, is not good. um, in terms of how they operate, uh, their, their franchises. I mean, if you think about it, there's 32 franchises, uh, worth multi billions of dollars. And until last year, they were a non profit organization, which is, which is amazing, but you have to have a certain number of eligible seasons to be able to collect number one, number two, you can play, uh, in the NFL, uh, not only in the United States, but in Europe, um, Canadian Football League does not does not apply uh, for eligible seasons. And so what I'm seeing is I, I have players that come to me and say, "Look, you know, I played for four seasons. What can I possibly do? How can I possibly benefit from from my family? What can you do for me?" And that's and, and that's what I do for these players. I've talked to well over uh probably uh I don't know, 120, 130 players and 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 it's it's just a common issue and a problem that on the one hand I have to tell you Larry a lot of the NFL players love the fact that they played in the NFL and they're fiercely loyal to the NFL but they're also distrustful of the NFL because they don't think that the NFL is looking out for them. And given what I've done for some of my players and dealing with the players association and the benefits folks, um, I can see why I can see why there's a lot of hesitation. So, so basically NFL Europe counts and, uh, and, and, and uh, practice squads and, uh, regular, uh, game day, uh, counts as well for purposes of being included in the NFL class action.
1: And I assume those number of seasons that are that are required. I mean, that that was all negotiated in the in the settlement transaction as you as you were going forward, right? I'm sure yeah, there were, it they were was. back and forth on that. Okay.
2: Yeah, and, and sorry, sorry to cut you off, Larry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was all included in the in the settlement that was approved by by Judge Brody in the Eastern District. the The interesting part, which most people don't realize, and I, and I had no appreciation uh, for this, but that the average work life expectancy for an NFL player uh that is drafted in the fir- first round is almost 8 years now if you're a second second round draft pick or lower uh your work life expectancy is 3.5 years and the way that this settlement is structured is that you really have to have 4 years Uh, in the league to fully vest yourself, four or five, depending on how you look at it, to fully vest yourself of what the proposed settlement will be. Now, I I have to say one thing very, very quickly. Uh, In the NFL class action litigation, causation is admitted, meaning that I don't have to prove a particular hit, a particular game, or a particular play that caused the brain injury. So what I have to do myself as a brain injury attorney and, and former chair of the Brain Injury Association of America, I have to make sure that I can prove those claims. And we can talk about what those claims really are. The NCAA case is totally different because the NCAA case basically says players can get testing, but causation is not admitted for purposes of trying to make a monetary damage recovery.
1: Hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting, though, that when you talk about three and a half years as the average work life of a non-first round pick, uh, and you're saying four years is required for really fully vesting, so most of these players are are never going to be fully vested to in this process. Correct?
2: That's a hundred. That that is absolutely a hundred percent correct. Basically, what 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 happens is uh, in the NFL case, if you have less than five years. Then you start reducing the amount of money of the total award, for example, if you have four and a half eligible seasons in and and there's a there there's some controversy about exactly what the eligible season means it's how many games you're actually on the practice roster or on the active roster. But if if you have four and a half eligible seasons in then and that's it, then you have a ten percent reduction of the total award. So if the total award is five million dollars, you've got a ten percent reduction uh in, in that award based on your eligible season. So theoretically, if you were coming out of college and you get drafted by the Colts or Patriots or whomever, and your first play while you were in 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 uh, uh, on the team, uh, and you have a brain injury, um, that would give you zero eligible seasons, and you would only be able to collect. Uh, there there would be a ninety seven point five percent reduction in the amount of money that you would collect. So basically, you collect almost nothing, and it's also based on age as well.
1: Mm. Interesting. So let's let's talk about something uh, right now. On your blog, you you talked about the uh, really the New York Giants football great Frank Gifford, and uh, I remember Frank number sixteen on the Giants growing up. Frank was uh, one of those NFL players who suffered multiple concussions while playing uh, in college at USC and and pro football. So tell us about Frank and how the game led him to suffer from chronic, uh, from that CTE chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Uh, and, and in doing so, I remember a, a particular play, uh, and I think I saw it uh, on TV live when Chuck Bednarik of the Eagles just whacked him and he knocked him right out of a game. And, uh, I'm sure that was one of the many, many concussive events in Frank's life. So tell us about Frank Gifford and how that all, uh, impacts what you're doing. Well
2: your 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 memory is absolutely fantastic, Larry. That's exactly the play that really defined Frank Gifford's uh, in terms of brain injury, uh his his legacy. Uh, not only did he get knocked out of that game, he was unconscious on the field for a period of time, and then um, he sat out, my recollections, the 1961 or 1962 season, and then came back and tried to have, uh, you, know, you know, try to come back in, in 1962 or 63. Um, but, but, but let me just tell you about Frank Gifford or Lawrence Phillips or Junior Seau. They're all pretty much the same, and what that means is they suffered multiple repetitive injury uh, to the brain, and the brain can't recover. Um, And as I said, brain injury is a lifelong, ongoing disease process. It gets worse. There's no cure for brain injury. The only cure for brain injury is prevention. And Frank Gifford really was the poster child uh, before the current uh, concussion uh, dilemma uh, that you know affected not only the NCAA but uh, the NFL, and so so Frank had ongoing cognition issues, word finding uh, behaviors, unable to understand certain things, couldn't keep a checkbook. Those, the, as, as my understanding, those are some of the the problems that that he had, and so it's associated with, with the brain injury and the hit in 1961. Didn't help him very much at all so so you know nothing's really changed if you think about it between nineteen sixty one and twenty sixteen you've got a helmet, maybe the technology's changed a little bit. you've got personal protective gear, you know uh you've got pads and and uh that that type of thing um, but the hits back then to the hits now are very, very consistent with the CTE diagnosis that's being made and, and and you brought up a great point Chris Nowinski uh, at Boston uh University that that has been doing all the uh in part uh who has been doing all the analysis of of brain tissue including one of my clients um that's now being analyzed uh it is a very scary thing that frankly from my perspective if the NFL knew allegedly what they did know Back in the 1990s, it's unexcusable to not let players know because players were not – you, you can't consent to being injured uh, or suffering some sort of lifelong uh, disability without being fully informed. And that's really what the NFL case is all about.
1: Well, you know, you know uh, when, when you talk to a lot of folks about this, this case, I remember back in the day, let's say back in the Frank Gifford day, for example, when a player got really just banged and and knocked in uh, in a game, it, he'd be he'd go to the sideline and he'd they'd say he got his bell rung, and then he'd, you know he'd be back in the game. Now, sure, I don't know whether he's back in the game because of the the nature of trying to keep your livelihood and stay on the field, and so you don't get replaced, or whether or not the coach says we need you in there, go go back in there. But whatever that that was, I mean, there was there was not the kind of scrutiny and and uh, and attention paid to exactly what had happened in that hit, as there is, let's say, today where you see sideline doctors and other, uh, professionals really taking a hard look at things. Is that, is that basically what happened over time? There was a lot more education that, that took place.
2: There is education, and it's starting from the ground up. If you look at how the NFL is structured with their franchises, um, they have a lot more, uh, capacity to do research and analysis on, on, those types of hits or problems that cause you know players problems so so if you look at it from then to now yeah that that's exactly right so we have now concussion training we have um basically uh brain injury screening on the sidelines but it's it's only as good as the person as the athletic trainer as the coach or as the physician that has a responsibility to evaluate that player, and eventually put that player back in. Now, if you look at last year, uh, last year's, I think, 2015 season, you had the uh, Michigan quarterback that basically was knocked out on the field, and they put him right back in because they wanted to win. And and I think, Larry, I think the problem is – Uh, You know, one of reporting. You know, players do not want to report that they're injured. If 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 you look at the interview with Peyton Manning, I believe Peyton Manning said something like he always tanked his baseline brain exam uh, that he would have before the season because he wanted to play. And if he had an issue, then he could say you know he he could he could satisfy the baseline brain evaluation um, based on the way that he performed earlier in the season because players want to play players at least in the nfl get paid uh to play but 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 and that's the whole thing they don't want to lose their spot on a team and 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 frankly if you look at it um you know anything like that where you have any sort of ding or problem or brain injury you know teams do not want you 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 are a limited commodity and and i think that's that's one of the problems with it so what you have to have competent analysis and and the nfl i should also say this the nfl helped me as a, as a chair of the brain injury association of america to get concussion legislation passed in every state in the entire country well that's great they also fund USA Football. And from my perspective, USA Football is doing everything that they possibly can to try to put out there their information about concussions because they see, they see concussion and brain injury as a real risk to the profitability not only of the NFL ultimately, but of uh all the other leagues, you know, college, high school youth, and yeah, uh youth football. Pop Warner. Yeah,
1: sure. Well, you know, you know when you have players who want to play and you have teams that want to win and and you have that guy that gets hit and goes to the sideline, unless you have a totally independent medical professional not beholden to the team or not beholden to the player, uh it's going to be tough to get a really uh uh, you know, solid evaluation that doesn't favor one or the other, isn't it? I mean, you, you almost need in total independence on the part of the the individual making the assessment.
2: Well, you know, I also have to say, Larry, you're, you're 100% correct. But um, the sad part is, and we could talk a little bit more about what the NFL case really means for players. I mean, there's 18,000 NFL players out there that may or may not be able to collect. It's a lifelong ongoing settlement as well. It's a 65-year settlement. So you could theoretically take your baseline assessment protocol exam, which includes neuropsychological tests uh, and, and also neurology tests. Uh, and that, that's going to be a statute. Okay, basically what that means is once it's finally returned, once the case is finally returned from the Third Circuit Court of Appeals back to the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, players will have a window of about one year to get this baseline assessment protocol. Okay, so so, so at that point, they may qualify for one level of dementia, for example, um but as time goes on as we age as things get worse with respect to our brains they may be able to collect two or two or three different times for for that injury as it progresses i hope that makes sense no it does it does yeah well i mean so 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 a lot of these players and i've talked to alumni groups across the country uh i've talked to agents i get you know referrals from agents and, you know, it's interesting because I think there's a, there's a huge misconception about really what the NFL case is all about, and it's about assessment, number one, but it's also about trying to figure out really where we're going with this. Now, the interesting part is um, if you look at the qualifying diagnoses, which we can talk about, CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, is the only, is the only diagnosis that is not related to dementia that is not related to ALS or parkinson's um it is it is a diagnosis that is that can only occur because of chronic repetitive brain trauma and the studies are are clear most players that suffer brain injury or repetitive concussion which is a brain injury um you know those players Cannot recover from that, and so it's 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 interesting as we move forward. You know, and and, and I have to say, Larry, I, I think one of the other problems is look at how this has affected not only families but the players themselves. I I, I have to tell you, one of my uh, Super Bowl uh, winning uh, players, uh, you know, I, I I met him for lunch, and uh, we were out of town and um you had a nice lunch and and as soon as we got done you know i walked out of the restaurant and the player who's in his mid-30s um was unable not only to find his car but he was unable to remember what vehicle he drove that day and he's got a two and a four-year-old child so uh, children. So, I mean, it's 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 very, very, very profound.
1: So, so let's talk a little bit more about the uh, the damages claimed by a lot of these players. I mean, obviously, some of them are suffering from some of those issues you mentioned, which are dementia, and Alzheimer's, and ALF. What what are all those? How are all those damages? How do they get involved in in the overall settlement? Are are there certain elements, as you said, the certain damage elements that are excluded, uh, included. Uh, it sounds like a very complicated process to really find uh, where everyone's at.
2: Well, that's 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 a very, very good point. I mean, the settlement agreement's well over 100 pages, and basically how everything has been set up is there is a special master that is assigned to process all the claims once they come back from the Third Circuit. So what happens is, as I said, the players have to take this baseline assessment protocol. And based on that, uh, there are five or six different levels of compensation. It, it, It depends not only on the number of years in the league, it depends on age, the age of diagnosis, and it also depends on the type of injury that's occurred. Now, for example, if we talk about dementia, there's three different basically forms of dementia that are covered by the nfl settlement level 1.0 um is the baseline uh you don't receive any compensation for that um level 1.5 is called uh it's neurocognitive impairment or or early dementia um the maximum award that you would receive for that is 1.5 million dollars then then the worst form of dementia uh, which the NFL and the players uh, uh, describe as moderate dementia, which I would submit to you, as a brain injury attorney practicing in Indiana, North Carolina, and Arizona, that that is um, that's a huge a huge issue. The maximum you could possibly receive, and in, in, in terms of a settlement based on your years in the league and your age, is three million dollars. Okay, that's that's talking about dementia. But if you look at the maximum award, that would be ALS, um, and that would be $5 million. Uh, if you died with uh, CTE, the max you you could possibly get is $4 million. And, and Larry, I have to tell you, I mean, that's why you, you have 18,000 potential uh, claimants out there. Uh, of those that can possibly recover, it's probably about 4,000 to 4,500, Um and if you saw the people that opted out in the class action settlement, it's it's a very unique settlement in terms of, you know, uh, it's a it's it's almost a a well it's a class action plus it's a personal injury case, uh, and so you know lawyers can charge uh, to try to collect money for for players, it, but the thing is you need to have a a a, a board certified brain injury lawyer to understand not only brain injury, but how your, how your player can collect. So if you look at ALS on the top end of 5 million, the low end of zero, and then you have clients like, like, like one of mine, um, you know, that has Parkinson's, you know, it's, 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 you know, since causations related, that's, that's a three and a half million dollar diagnosis. Interesting. So yeah, hmm. I mean, and that's, that's kind of what's going on. And I think that there's so many misconceptions and, and misunderstandings about the settlement. Now, Larry, I also have to tell you, The settlement could change because if 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 the well, yeah, because if if uh, if the Third Circuit, basically, what's happening now, and and just to summarize very very quickly, the last major issue in the NFL uh, concussion uh, brain injury litigation is whether or not you could collect for chronic traumatic encephalopathy after April twenty second of twenty fifteen. Now, why that date is important is that's the settlement date. And so, and and like, for example, one of my players, uh, his birthday was on April 25th. So he would have, he would have jumped up a different, uh, age bracket, which would have probably cost him about four or $500,000. So luckily three days before the case was, was resolved, the injustice is that if you died, uh, with c t e which is only diagnosable at this point in time based on a post mortem uh mortem exam um if he died prior to april twenty second of twenty fifteen you could have collected for c t e if you died april twenty third of twenty fifteen you would not be able to collect for c t e now you now that's that's kind of like, that's kind of the frank gifford uh, uh analysis because he died after the settlement date. So theoretically, he would not be able, his family would not be able to collect for CTE. He may be able to, or the family may be able to recover for something less than that, um, which which could be parkinson's or alzheimer's or or uh, uh dementia
1: well obviously it's a it's a matrix and a formula, and people are getting your clients are getting plugged into various elements based on what they how they suffer and what they 've suffered from and how long they 're there and when they died so uh it, it's it 's almost a very mathematical process that you 're going to go through, but as you said, you know maybe the on appeal some of these issues will even change as we move forward. So with that, let's take a quick break here, Dan, and uh, we'll be right back with more on this fascinating subject uh, with Dan Chamberlain right after this.
0: This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates, the leader in the structured settlements profession nationwide. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler Associates works with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. There's a Ringler Associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Ringler Associate. Check out our new website at www.ringlerassociates.com For the best information for claimants, legal professionals, a claims personnel, and to find the Ringler Associate nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. You can count on Ringler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more.
1: Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm joined by my special guest, Dan Chamberlain from Cohen & Mallet in Indianapolis, Indiana. Dan, uh, you represent and work closely with a lot of these NFL players and former NFL players. Uh, can you give us a, a real-life story of a player who was impacted by repetitive brain tra- trauma, something that that that's compelling that our audience might really uh, like to hear from you?
2: Yeah, Larry, I, I, I'd be happy to. Um, one of the things you brought up right before the the, the break uh, was disqualifying diagnoses, and what that means is if you had a stroke, um, if you had a some sort of addiction to drugs or alcohol or something, that may that may reduce your award. But again, that's the reason that you need to talk to a brain injury board certified attorney to try to figure out how you can possibly make this claim and do it now because the thing is once the court uh third circuit sends it back to the eastern district of of Pennsylvania i suspect there's going to be a flood of people trying to uh tr- trying to present their claims but but i'll tell you i'll tell you first round draft pick uh second pick overall um almost got the heisman uh a quarterback uh who is a legend uh, to a lot of people. Well, what happens with brain injury is that if you have negative behaviors whether it's drinking alcohol, sex, gambling, whatever, brain injury makes your addiction or your your problems in your life that much worse not only does it affect the player or the former player, but affects the player's family and affects the wife. And, you know, so there's divorces and there's, you know, financial mismanagement, um, there's inability to to focus. But this player, um, you know, went down the wrong road and now is in federal uh, prison uh, here in the state of Indiana. So, I mean, if you really want to look about how – uh, brain injury affects players to go from the absolute top to the absolute bottom, and, and and I can tell you, Larry, most of these players that I talk to, they they are good people. Um, they a lot of them have uh, affected personal lives, and many of them, you know, have no access to money, and and so it's interesting from my perspective. What I'm doing is not only the NFL settlement. But I'm also involved with trying to get players extra benefits. And, and, and here's what I'm saying. If if you're four years in the league, then you're entitled to lifetime health insurance. You're entitled to a pension. Uh, you're entitled to 88 dementia benefits, which basically means that if you're in a nursing home or some sort of assisted care facility or even at home – and you incur, you know, eighty-eight thousand uh, dollars a year uh, in, in in dementia-related uh, expenses um, then the NFL will pay. So, so that's what I'm doing for one of my players. I'll just give you an example. You know, three and a half years in the league, it's suspended by the league for one year uh, for for some behavior issues. And now I'm suing, Um, you know, I've been to the NFL Players Association, I've been to the benefits people, and now I'm in federal court because I want to get this player an extra eligible season. And Larry, your question to me would be, why would you do that? Well, if you don't do that, who ends up paying? for the medical care who ends up paying for the dementia benefits who ends up taking care of the player we all do. submit to you larry it's you yeah and it's we all me, do and it's every taxpayer in in the united States.
1: well speaking of that speaking of the fact that you said uh, a lot of the players because of the uh impact of of their brain injuries uh, can't control some of their addictions and, and also they they lose sight of their financial scenario uh what's your opinion of structured settlements where the payments come out periodically to people and have you used that uh, vehicle in some of these uh, settlements on your own?
2: Well, no, I haven't used it uh, in terms of the NFL settlement because it's still pending in the third circuit, but I I thoroughly intend to do so. And I'll, I'll, I'll use Wrangler and I'll tell you why, because Wrangler does a great job. Um, They help protect the clients. Um, But more importantly, especially with respect to, uh players that have suffered, you know, traumatic brain injury, uh a structure is going to be there. It's going to be there for the long term. It's going to pay every month or every year or however you want to structure a uh, potential settlement and and it's going to help take care of that player um potentially indefinitely depending on what the terms of the uh, uh structured settlement are and and I can and frankly It's not just the NFL. I I try to do structured settlements in almost all my brain injury cases because I want to make sure that the person who suffered the brain injury is going to be taken care of as long as I possibly can. And I think that's a real service because as as an attorney, um, I find it, for myself personally, uh, rewarding that I can try to help change somebody's future, to try to help their family. To try to make sure that long after uh this 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 case is done or a brain injury case is done that they're going to be taken care of and th- I think that's one of the most important things as a trial lawyer
1: well that's that's terrific to hear, and you know you don't have to and it's interesting in our in our field you don't have to have brain injury or any of these other issues to uh to sometimes do funny things with money if you have cash in your pocket so it's it's often uh you know the the protection of a structured settlement, which helps almost every injured party to really preserve their future. So uh, I'm glad you really uh, support that process. So let's, with that, Dan, let's let's end with this final question for you. you you've seen a lot now, obviously, with the NFL case and uh, and all of the the science around uh, the brain injury scenario. What what do you foresee? the NFL doing to change either their rules, their regulations, certain rules on the football field or or elsewhere? What do you see the future holding to keep the sport intact and having somehow reduction in some of these issues we're we're dealing with today?
2: Well, I think, you know, frankly, from my perspective, um, there's not a whole lot that the NFL can do. I mean, they're trying to institute heads-up football, which means a different way of tackling. So there's no more helmet-to-helmet hits it's still going to happen. It's still going to happen in practice. It's going to happen in games. Well, I mean, we also know that players get uh, have a higher propensity of being injured in games as opposed to practice. Um, I, I just see this 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 increasing, you know, as we go forward. Now, with respect to the science and medicine of of brain injury, the Brain Injury Association of America was the only organization to submit the science and medicine to the Eastern district of Pennsylvania that was accepted by, by the court uh, which, which basically states that, you know, this is a lifelong uh, degenerative condition, but, but I have to tell you, Larry, I think one of the other issues that's going to end up happening is most players will not qualify uh, for a settlement. Number one, number two, I suspect there will be many, many appeals uh, by players because who the NFL selects as a neurologist or a neuropsychologist in terms of evaluating the patient is going to be critical. Sure. And if, if, if they don't, if they don't select, uh, uh, physicians or healthcare providers that understand brain injury and deal with brain injury, you know, on a, on a consistent basis, I think we're going to be in, in, in trouble because most neurologists, uh, you know, while they, they, they deal with the brain, they're dealing with acquired brain injury in terms of stroke, um, you know, uh, multiple sclerosis, those types of things. They're not dealing with the ongoing, lifelong uh, condition of traumatic brain injury, which these players have suffered and will suffer in the future.
1: Exactly. Well, what one other final question? Uh, the question of opt-outs in the class action. There's the opportunity to opt out. Tell me what what you're seeing in ver- vis a vis. vis- those that are participating in the in the class action and and the number of those that are that are opting to opt out of it.
2: Well, that's it's a, a that's an excellent question. The opt out date is done, so if you haven't opted out from the NFL class action litigation, you cannot do that now. But I'll tell you from my perspective, there's only about 200 opt outs, so the potential claimants are not only the players but the players' families so you see the sayaus and dursons uh dave durson from from the bears uh you see some of these families that have opted out of the litigation because it cte chronic traumatic encephalopathy if they had enough years in the league which my many of my players have um you know you're entitled to 4 million dollars well the interesting part is if 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 they opted out just that 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 group of about 200 or less they may be able to get more than the 4 million dollars but but the fact of the matter is that time to opt out of the settlement is over unless unless the third circuit returns it back to Pennsylvania Eastern District judge brody and and they have to redo the entire settlement which which Larry I have to tell you that's not that's not outrageous to think that because jeff miller who from the NFL was uh, one of their uh, spokespersons in congress Last month, March of 2016, admitted there is a causal relation between football and traumatic brain injury and traumatic brain injury to chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE, and he's admitted it. Now, the interesting part, Larry, and I'll I'll, I'll end with this, Um, in February we had the Super Bowl, and one of the uh, uh, spokespersons for the NFL said there is no causal relation between Football and brain injury. A month later, the NFL reversed course, and that may that may derail most of the NFL settlement. But it just depends on what happens with the Third Circuit and the Eastern District District of Pennsylvania.
1: Well, I guess the operative word is "stay tuned" because uh, there's changes potentially coming down the pike, and we'll be on this story. Uh, and I'm sure we want to have you back at some point when when some of that's. Sort it out and uh, and see where we're going. Uh, you you know it's it's a fascinating story and it's 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 a tremendous uh, effort that you've all put into this. Uh, I can I can't imagine the hours and and expense that it's all in, entailed. So with that, I want to say thanks, Dan, for joining us. And if someone wanted to get a hold of you, Dan, uh, to learn about any of this, how would they do that?
2: Well, you could get on our website and 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 click on that, or just just call me. It's three one seven. Six three six six four eight one, and I'd be happy to talk to you about it. But Larry, I also want to say thank you for Ringler uh, and and for the time to to talk about this. Uh, Ringler does a great service uh, for my clients and for others, and I hope that the NFL will benefit from Ringler uh, in protecting the health, safety, well-being, and future of these, uh, former NFL players.
1: Well, well said, and thank you very much for that. And, uh, I want to tell our audience, if you want to hear more about structured settlements or read more, you can always go to our website, ringlerassociates.com. You can find all the Ringler Associates all around the country. Uh, and you can find all the Ringler radio shows, which are on ringlerassociates.com, ringlerradio.com, legaltalknetwork.com, or even on iTunes, where you can, uh, Download at your leisure, and you can hear Dan Chamberlain speaking about this uh, NFL class action uh, lawsuit. So with that, Dan, I want to say thank you very much for being here.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: And for all of you out there, go have a great
0: day. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio with over a million listeners. Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit RinglerAssociates.com today.